Okay, I want to preach a message this morning that comes out of something that I've experienced probably in the last couple of months. And it's when I've been praying about a particular situation, asking God to answer me, and I felt like God said to me, uh, your problem on this issue that you've been praying for a long time, the reason it's not happening is your unbelief. Snap. My unbelief. And so I began to do a study about unbelief. I began to do a, to begin to look into what the Bible says about unbelief. And I found that Jesus uh, was quite lovingly corrective in many occasions with his disciples where they were asking him to do things and they hadn't seen them happen and then they were complaining about them not happening and instead of comforting, comforting them because they hadn't seen their prayer answered, he confronted them and challenged them about their lack of faith, their little faith or their unbelief. And so I want to bring you on the journey that God's been bringing me on over the last little while because I've got some fresh revelation and I want to help us to remove the blockages for our unanswered prayers. Now, I know in this room, some of you have got every one of your prayers answered. And so you don't need this message at all because every time you pray, it's perfectly answered. Not. I could probably list you about 30 things that I've been praying uh, for a long time and I haven't seen them answered. And I reckon many of us could say the same. And so I want to look at this issue and I'm going to go to a scripture of Jesus in Mark chapter 9, verse 14. So if we pull this up, I'm going to read it out and we'll, we'll bounce out of this. And it says this, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes were disputing with them. Okay, this is the religious people are fighting. This is interesting. Immediately when they saw him, the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeting him. And asked, he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? One of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. This has obviously been happening for a long time, we find out later. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now, one thing we've got to understand is in Luke, this, this story is in three, three Gospels. And just earlier, Jesus had given them power and authority over all, all the earth. And they'd been on a blitz of working healings and miracles through all the villages. So they'd seen miracles, but this one, for some reason, wasn't working. And Jesus answered and said, oh, you poor guys, what a shame. Comfort, comfort. No, he didn't. He said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long, Jesus is a little tired now. How long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. And sometimes we're looking to God to comfort us because our prayer is not being answered. And he's like, I'm not going to comfort you. I'm going to challenge you to lift you up here today. He always does it not to bring guilt into our lives, not to bring condemnation into our lives, but to lift us to a higher way of living. 
Then they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit, the demon, convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And so he, uh, he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. So he's probably a young adult. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Just be clear, that's what the devil wants to do to everybody. He might not be as obvious about that, but he wants to destroy our lives. And, if, and then the father says, so if you can do anything, if you can do anything, because they couldn't. He'd already had one, answered, one unanswered prayer. So if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, I love it, Jesus turned it around and said, well, actually... If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Say that after me. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, I love this moment of honesty, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running... When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit manifested, cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him, and he became as one dead. I thought, no, he's killed him. So they said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. There was two moments, one of being set free from the demon, another one of healing coming into his body. That's what happened. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately. They're like, come on, why, didn't you, why couldn't we do that? We'd seen it happen all other ways. You'd answered all these prayers, but you didn't answer this prayer. Why not? Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. He said, guys, it's a power issue. You, you need to pray and, pray and fast and increase the level of power on your life. But what's this. Matthew tells the same story. And when the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Matthew 17, 19. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assured, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. I almost thought of calling this message, my mountain didn't move. What do I do? My mountain didn't move. What do I do? Jesus was very clear. There's two issues going on here that are blocking your prayers being answered, disciples. One is unbelief. And two requires prayer and fasting. It's power. So this morning, I want to talk about confronting the unbelief in my life. And next week, I'm going to talk about increasing the power because both of these things work together for us to see an increase in the miraculous in our life. Are we ready to go? Confronting the unbelief. Confronting the unbelief. Unbelief is a deceptive, scary thing. It sneaks up on us. I, this is how I would describe unbelief. Unbelief, because I've been a Christian a long time, so I know how to look like I've got faith. So I can pray a prayer, God, would you do this? Almost so that I can say to somebody else, I'm praying about it, because I'm a good Christian. But as I pray the words, my heart says something like this, that ain't going to happen. I'm praying it, but my heart's contradicting my words. And here's the interesting thought. My, the words of my heart are as loud in the spiritual atmosphere as the words of my mouth. 
Jesus, in, in Ephesians 3.20, God says, uh, the Bible says that God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. And where you think is not just your mind, you think in your heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, the Bible says. This is the component of, of my life. So if you've ever prayed a prayer like me, where you've prayed the prayer, but instantly your heart, and you don't want it to, but it's betraying you. It's like, that ain't going to happen. You're saying the words, you're, believe, you're, you're trying to believe. But it's almost like, and this is, this, is the, this is what religion does. Religion says the words that I don't believe in my heart and therefore has got no power. That's what religion does. And all of us would have one area in our life, I believe, and it might be, it might be over here praying for that person to be saved for 25 years and there's no change in their life. And so I'm praying it, but I've got humble belief in my heart because my heart's saying that ain't going to happen. And what's blocking that happening is my unbelief or I'm praying for healing. And this would be, this is what God challenged me. There's one particular thing I've been praying for me, for myself on and off for over 20 years. And when I prayed it just recently, the Lord's like, you got no faith for this. You got the words. You got to deal with that unbelief because it's blocking. His unbelief is, is the opposite of a conductor. So if electricity flows through a conductor, if I put, if I put an electrical cord in one end of the pool and, and you're at the other end of the pool and I've turned on the button, zzz, it would flow through water because water is a conductor. Okay? But unbelief is the opposite of a conductor. It's an insulator. And so if I put, if the power of God comes and it's available to work in our lives, but it hits unbelief, it's just like, bounces back. That's what our hearts often do to the willing power of God to flow into our lives. Unbelief is an insulator. It betrays us and it gets there in all sorts of sneaky ways and Jesus doesn't come along to comfort. He comes along to confront it. Not condemn, but to confront so that we can learn how do I get that sucker out of my life. It's like weeds. You don't have to grow. You don't have to try to grow weeds. Weeds just grow. You don't have to try to grow unbelief. Unbelief just grows. But you've got to be very deliberate to get rid of that unbelief. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So how... Does unbelief get into our life? How does that voice get into our heart? That's not going to happen. Let's talk about three different things. And first of all, I want to just, Mark 11, 22, 23 is a key scripture where Jesus taught about faith. He answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, there's that mountain again, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Your heart is where belief and unbelief is. Your words are one thing, your heart's the other. If you're speaking what you fully believe in your heart, eventually your outward world will line up with what's in your heart. In fact, you could pretty much put a, 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 on this screen up here today a picture of your heart and all the things that you really believe and it would actually be a self-fulfilling thing of where your future is. Which is why the Bible says guard your heart. Because out of your heart flows your whole life. Guard your heart. So let's talk, look at three things that cause unbelief in our hearts and then how do we deal with it. The first one is this. First thing that causes unbelief is we put Jesus in a box. We put him, we put him in a box. When Jesus went back to the area that he'd grown up in Nazareth, in Mark chapter 6, it says this. He could do no mighty works there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Not that he chose not to. 
He grew up in this area. A lot of them were his cousins. A lot of them were his relatives. He knew them. So it wasn't like, oh, there's cousin Joey. Oh, there's no way I'm going to heal him. He, he bullied me in grade seven. There's Uncle George. There's no way I'm going to heal him because he was mean to my family. That's not what's going on. He didn't choose not to bring healing. The Bible says he couldn't because unbelief was insulating the miracle power of God that was available in every other village around it. He couldn't. So what produced that unbelief? Familiarity. They just, they, they, they'd, been, they'd grown up with Jesus and they had him in a box. Mary, Joseph's son, carpenter. And we go, well, that's not what we think of Jesus, but you can grow up in a religious atmosphere and you've heard that Jesus was a good teacher and you've heard that, that Jesus, maybe he's your saviour, but then you've never really heard about all the other attributes of God, that he's a, he's a redeemer, he's a healer, he's a deliverer, he's a provider, all the, the full gospel of who Jesus is. And so because you've grown up with Jesus as this, and, and religion is the definition of this, a religious church experience is where I hear lots about God, but I see no power. It's all words, but no power. Paul talked about the gospel being robbed of its power. So if, if that's my expectation of Jesus, and I've got him in the box, that, there's, that it's just a nice, respectable religion, a nice, respectable thing to do, but there's no power, then I've got him in a box, and that's unbelief. I'd almost rather, when people come along to church, they've got no religious background. Come along. And so when we tell you what the Bible says, that Jesus is your healer, oh, awesome. When I tell you Jesus is your provider, awesome. When I tell you Jesus wants to deliver you, awesome. When I tell you he wants no one to perish and everyone to be saved, it's like, cool, I'm creating a whole new mindset. I don't have to undo all that religious junk that I've had put into my mind. God's done things like that in my world where I've, where I've believed lies about God, about how he wants me financially to be. I thought God was pleased with my poverty. I had, G I had Jesus in a box and then I realized, no, he's actually a provider and he wants to bless me. I let him out of the box. But that unbelief can rob us when we put Jesus in a box. What are you not letting God do? What are you not honoring him for in your life? That's the first thing. The next thing is this, disappointment. This is probably one of the big ones that will cause unbelief. In Mark 16 verse 14, it says that Jesus later appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Here we go again. He rebuked it. He's like, come on, guys, let's deal with this. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. They didn't believe him. It was, uh, this is how I think it worked. The grief of Jesus dying when they thought it was going to be something different, the loss of their friend, and the disappointment that the kingdom didn't come the way they expected it to come caused grief in their heart, that disappointment. And that disappointment quickly set into a hardness of heart. And when someone comes along and says, no, he's risen, they couldn't accept it because of unbelief. How quickly disappointment turns to unbelief in our heart. I like to think of it like this. It's, uh, whenever we hit a disappointment and, and that answered prayer doesn't come, we've got a choice. What are we going to do with it? Are we go Because I see it like wet concrete. We can either dig deeper into our faith and let the disappointment become footings and foundations for our future faith because we're like, okay, it didn't happen here, but I'm still believing what God said as a choice or it can just set and our heart gets hard and every time it sets, it gets harder and harder. 
I talked to someone after the first service, they said, you've described uh, often what unbelief is. It's like one brick at a time, unanswered prayer, unanswered prayer. And you eventually build a wall around yourself until it's, it gets so high that you've got no vision for your future because you've let unbelief harden your heart. And so often that's such an easy thing for us to do. He's, he's, he, this is, let me just tell you the reality about a life of faith and the miraculous. The life of faith and the miraculous that God wants, the price of a life of faith and the miraculous is setbacks, disappointment, and frustration. That's the price. That's what goes with a life of being a believer. Uh, you, we can get this idea, oh, they're a mighty person of faith because every prayer they pray gets answered. That's not how it works. They're a mighty person of faith because every prayer that they pray that doesn't get answered, they dig deeper into their faith and make a choice to believe God and recognize that unanswered prayer, disappointment, frustration, that's the problem. If I'm going to live a supernatural life, believing for all of the things the Bible said are available to me because nothing's impossible, then the price, and if I accept it now, is disappointments, frustrations, and setbacks, but I'm just making a determination. I'm not going to build a wall of unbelief around my heart. I'm going to dig deeper and make them foundations for the future. I love meeting people of faith whose circumstances right now do not line up with the promises of God, but instead of wallowing in their circumstances looking for comfort, they're confronting the, the unbelief and living above the circumstances with, with a great sense of God is going to come through for me because I believe the promises. And you know what? Even if God doesn't come through in this lifetime, it's the better way to live. The life of faith, Hebrews 11 tells us right now. So disappointment is the next way. I love it. It talks about Abraham. And Abraham got a promise from God at 75 years old that he was going to have a, a child and he was going to be the father of a massive nation. The reality for the next 25 years is every month, Isaac and his wife, uh, Abraham and his wife Sarah had a fresh disappointment that they weren't pregnant. Every month. Every month, he, every month he's like, he's going around, God, I believe I'm going to be a father of many nations. Got no kids yet, but I believe I'm going to be a father of many nations. And this is what the Bible says about him in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it says this. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. This is why Abraham is the hero of faith, not because the first time he declared something had happened, but because he got stronger and stronger in his faith. It's like, didn't happen deeper, didn't happen deeper, didn't happen deeper, didn't happen deeper. I'm believing what God said. That's what faith is. Faith is oh, the, the iceberg of faith is answered prayer. What's underneath faith is unanswered prayer that I decide to dig deeper and not let unbelief grip my heart. Oh, I'm helping some people here today and I'm preaching to myself at the same time. It's good. Number three, overwhelming circumstances. This is the other thing that will produce 
unbelief in your heart. This is what's going on to the, the father and the disciples. The disciples have seen all these miracles, but they come to a circumstance that's confronting. They've got this young adult guy throwing himself in fires. It's, it, would be, it would be fear-inducing. It, it would be scary. And so although they've seen all these miracles, now their eyes are locked in on something that's really looking impossible. And overwhelming circumstances can do one of two things. Either we pay more attention to what we can see with our natural eye rather than what God said, and once we start paying more attention to what we can see with our natural eye and feeding our natural mind about the impossibility of this circumstance, then that will just re that will reinforce unbelief. I, I recently had a situation where someone was in a life and death moment and I was sitting there and someone said, said to me, this is, the, this is the disease. And my first instinct was, let's go to Google to find out what that is and find out what the prognosis is. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't feed that. Feed your faith. Feed your faith. Feed. And so th this is what, when you've got overwhelming circumstances, like for the, for the poor father, he's had his son not been healed by the disciples. He's had a lifetime of fear-inducing moments with his son. It's overwhelming. And, and he comes to Jesus anxious, but honest. Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Let me talk about what we do if once we recognize that maybe it's unbelief that's stopping my prayers getting answered. I don't just need comfort. I've got to confront it. I've got to confront that unbelief in my heart. What do we do? Well, the first thing is just simply we've got to own it. Help me in my unbelief. I've got unbelief. My heart's got hardened. And it might be in just it might be in one area. You can you can have no problem believing for healing, but then really struggle to believe for provision. You can have no problem believing for provision, but you really struggle to believe that God's going to turn a relationship situation around. Because of unbelief in that area. How do we deal with unbelief? The first thing is we just own it. I've got some. Uh, I've got unbelief in my heart. And I doubt that there would be a person in this room who doesn't have some level of unbelief on some issue in our heart. So we've got to confront it. The second thing is, if once we confront it and we own it, we've got to repent of it because it's sin. God, I'm sorry. And repenting, I find repenting, which literally means changing your mind, isn't, it's not about forgiveness because once you've repented, you're forgiven. That's once. You don't have to keep doing it to get forgiven. But ongoing repentance is about, I'm changing my mind. So there's certain things that I, I've repented for for months because I'm trying to uproot a thought pattern in my mind and heart. And I'm saying, God, I'm sorry that I've been unbelieving about this. I'm getting rid of that thinking out of my heart. That's repentance. And the next thing is rebuke the devil where he's brought fear in. Rebuke the devil. The next thing is this. Saturate your mind and heart with the Word of God, His promises, preaching that produces faith in the area that you're struggling, and surround yourself with people who have that revelation of God that you need. Surround yourself with it. Go after that faith and revelation. And you know, 
You know that you move past unbelief when you're praying something. This is when you're praying something and there's a passion about it again. It's not just the words that you're praying that you know you should pray that are being betrayed by your heart's comments. It's like, come on, God, I'm believing you. Jesus, help me with that unbelief. Help me get rid of it. But I'm believing you. It's the risk of putting yourself out there again. That if it doesn't happen again, it's okay. That's the risk. Unbelief is playing it safe. Sometimes we've just got to shake off some things. Shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. In the words of the prophet Taylor Swift. Close your eyes right now. I know God's speaking to people in this room, right across this room. This morning, if you're saying, God, you got me. Jesus, you're talking to me, not to condemn me, but to get me free. If you're recognizing that there's unbelief in your heart that's blocking your passionate prayer and that you're playing it safe, but you know you need to get back up again. The Bible says that the righteous man gets knocked down seven times but gets back up again each time. That's what disappointment is. Not just seven. Seven means unlimited. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today, that unbelief has hardened your heart in a particular area and you want to confront it, I want you to stand up right now. Just say, that's me. I've got to confront that. I'm standing up. If you're going to confront that today, just stand up. Stand with me today. Father, I'm praying right through this room. I thank you for putting the spotlight on our unbelief. We're not blaming you, God. We're taking ownership in our own lives. We're not pulling your promises down to our own experience. We're determining that our experience must line up with your promises in the Word of God. And we'll keep believing until they do. Help us to be ruthless, to repent. Just just begin to repent right now. Begin to repent right now. Say, God, I'm sorry for my unbelief. I'm owning it. Whatever the area is, I'm sorry for my unbelief. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me get belief back. Jesus, help faith get stronger in my heart. Jesus, renew my faith today. Renew it, renew it, renew it. Make a choice today that from this moment forward when fear or doubt or, or just that thought in your heart that this ain't going to happen, when that comes, just stop and say, no, I refuse unbelief to dominate my heart and my thinking. I'm asking passionately God. Father, I pray that we would saturate our mind with the promises of God, the pictures of God, the stories of God. This is why in the Bible, so often God says, remember all the things I've done in the past for you so that you can keep your heart and mind renewed and saturated in faith. Remember, 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 remember. Father, I thank you for your help, that you're a good God. 
who wants to bless us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. God bless you, church.